Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. So the title of today's message is Giving Thanks is Good for Your Health. Now, as we come to the, this week where we, most of us will celebrate Thanksgiving in some way, uh, the food may not be good for our health because <laughs> a lot of us tend to overeat or eat stuff that we don't normally eat. Uh, I can't wait for the pecan pie. Um, talk about sugar. Um, the food may not be good for our health, but giving thanks is good for our health. You know, the Bible encourages us to give thanks. Those, that, that phrase appears 39 times in the Bible. And the word thanks alone appears 75 times in the Bible. And variations of those words, like thanksgiving, occur 32 times. Do you think that God wants us to be thankful people? And, you know, as Pastor Joe was saying, you know, we see the Bible prophecy and then we see kind of science catching up with it. Uh, the same thing is happening with this. You know, health experts are saying that the pretty much the same thing that the Bible has been saying for thousands of years, that giving thanks is good for us. A lot of medical doctors, a lot of psychologists point to research that links a sense of gratitude with good physical and mental health. And studies have shown that people with more uh, grateful uh, disposition engage in more exercise, they eat better, they take care of themselves better, they get regular physical examinations. I mean, overall, giving thanks has all of those benefits. Grateful people tend to handle adversity better. They experience less PTSD. They experience less clinical depression and anxiety. All of those benefits just from giving thanks. Giving thanks has actually been shown to help us cope with stress, help us cope with the negative things that might happen in our lives, and they will happen to all of us. So giving thanks doesn't prevent those things, but it helps us deal with them. So with all the encouragement in the scriptures, and we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures today, and with all the medical evidence that supports it, why do, why do we tend to focus on what we perceive is wrong in our lives? A lot of the focus tends to be on what is wrong instead of our blessings. You know, giving thanks should be a daily part of our lives not just a once-a-year thing. And I know you've probably heard that before. But it's true. It's true. If we make that a daily habit in our lives, giving thanks, being grateful for those things that we have, it will really have awesome effects, on not only on us, but on the kingdom of God. It glorifies him. And we're going to go through and we're going to see a lot of different things that it will, it will do, a lot of benefits that come from that. But apart from the fact that giving thanks is good for us, which we'll establish, and you probably have an idea that it is, but God also commands it. So I think that's an even more, uh, more of a reason for us to be thankful people. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. His mercy endures, endures forever. And then Psalm 30, verse 4 says, Sing praise to the Lord. You know, when we lift our voices in song, you know what that is? That's giving thanks for who he is. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. So if you want to be thankful to the Lord, if you want to, if you want to demonstrate gratitude to God, there are so many different ways to do it. And singing uh, worship to him is just one of the ways that we can express that. God commands us to give thanks. And we know that his commands are not a burden on us, right? Instead, they're beneficial to us in so many ways. 
God always knows what's best, doesn't he? And the word always directs us to obedience. Not just because it honors God, but that's the most important reason, but also because it's the best for us. When we're obedient to the commands of the Lord, it's always good for us, too. You know, we, we have to have that perspective. And we also have to understand that everything we have comes from God. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never leave us or forsake us. There's no changing with God. He loves you, and he wants to give you an abundant life, Jesus said. And we have to always be recognizing where those things come from. James tells us that everything we have is from God. And when we practice giving thanks, we acknowledge exactly that. We acknowledge where our blessings come from. It diverts us from an attitude of self-sufficiency and pride. And that's kind of the the enemy of, of thankfulness. Thankfulness helps us keep the proper perspective regarding everything we have in our lives. Because it always points us back to God. Being thankful always points us back to the one who gives us all things, God. And giving thanks also reminds us of what we do have. You know how sometimes we tend to kind of concentrate on what we, either what we don't have or what someone else has or what we might want, not necessarily what we need, but giving thanks reminds us of all that we do have. We're thankful for waking up in the morning. We're thankful that we do if we, if we are, are blessed to have a roof over our heads and to have clothes on our backs, because we know that there are many that are less fortunate that don't have those things. You know, and, you know, the, the, all the various ministries that we have in this church that are outreach ministries just show us that there's, there's need in this world. And it gives us perspective. You know, if you want to have gain a better perspective on what you have in your life and how to be grateful for it, serve in one of the ministries, the outreach ministries. That would be a great way to just get a better perspective on what you have. You go home and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed me. And you may not be wealthy, but you may recognize the fact that you are, have so much more than what you maybe took for granted. Sometimes we get complacent, right, about our lives, about just our, just our lot in life, you know, and we forget how blessed we are. Remember the account in uh, the Old Testament in Exodus 16. It's actually in several different uh, portions of the Old Testament where we see the nation of Israel, um, instead of being grateful, you know, uh, would complain and moan and grumble. And in uh, Exodus 16, verses 2 and 3, it tells us, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hands of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. Sounds great, doesn't it? For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, you got to get the whole picture here. Because they were making it sound like back in Egypt, this was, this was wonderful. This was, we had meat, uh, just more than, uh, than abundance, more than we could eat. We had bread, we had everything we needed. How wonderful it was back in Egypt. Well, they were in slavery <laughs> in back in Egypt, remember. They were in slavery for 400 years back in Egypt. It was oppressive, and it was a really difficult life, a hard life for those who lived. And forget about the ones who died under the tyranny of the pharaohs. You know, it's even more difficult. Yet the children of Israel, and we're, we're no better. We have to always remember this when we look back in the scriptures. The children of Israel didn't remember the bondage they were under. How could they forget? How could they forget that? They were well-fed. 
back in Egypt. But that was probably just to keep them healthy so they could continue to work. And remember, Moses was their deliverer. He was the one who led them out of bondage, led them into the promised land, a land where they would be free, a land that was promised to them by, uh, to, to Abraham by the Lord. And yet they forgot all of that. And if they really believed that God would provide for them, wouldn't they have a different outlook, a different um, take on their wilderness wanderings? Wouldn't they understand that, that this, is, this is what God had promised for them? And sometimes it was difficult in the wilderness, no, no doubt about it. But they didn't remember where they came from. They, they forgot about that. So another thing that giving thanks does, it kind of changes the way we see the world around us. It kind of gives us positive eyes to look through, to filter through the things that we see in the world. The daily practice of prayer and gratitude ultimately has benefits for us. It's good for our brain. It's good for our physical health. It's good for our mental health. But we also see the world in a different light when, we have, um, when we're full of thanks and gratitude. We see the world in a different light. We see our circumstances in a different light. It kind of changes our mindset when we give thanks. When we express gratitude, we see the blessings in our life more clear. It's not clouded by thanklessness. But we see the blessings that we have more clearly. And speaking of the complaining that the children of Israel did in the wilderness, and there's, there's several accounts throughout the Exodus and Numbers um, that, that tell of the, of the ways that the children of Israel complained in the wilderness um, to Moses. Speaking about that, Paul tells us in the New Testament that those things that, that happened were actually recorded for a purpose. They were recorded for a purpose. They were recorded so that there were a, would be a warning to us. A warning to us. So that we wouldn't have a bitter and ungrateful attitude. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 through 11 says, Nor complain as some of them also complained. Speaking of this, this group, this, these, these complainers in the wilderness. And were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. The word admonition is warning. They were written down for our admonition to warn us upon whom the end of the ages have come. When something's written down for us as a warning, isn't it good that we take those lessons instead of kind of learning from our own mistakes? It, I mean... We would never want someone to go through um, the, the mistakes that they went through, but thank God that we can learn from them, and we don't have to make those same mistakes ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, when I get a new appliance, there's usually two pages, at least in the, in the, uh, in the user guide, of warnings. There's these big signs and symbols and everything else and warnings, and I tend to just, okay, how do I use this thing? You know, go past those pages of warnings. But I'm assuming, now I don't know, I'm assuming that they've, they've written them down because they've determined that some things are, could be dangerous. You know, like don't plug the toaster in while you're in the bath or things like that. So, you know, I, and hopefully they didn't have to have someone go through that to write them down. But these are lessons for us, folks. These are lessons in the Bible for us to take to heart. So that we don't have to go through the same things. Complaining and grumbling about their situation. And meanwhile, they were being led into the land of milk and honey. They were, they were being given everything that God had promised. And they didn't, they didn't think about it. They didn't realize it. Now that, that shows us that even in this journey in life, our blessings are not exclusive from our suffering. 
that both things can coexist at the same time in our lives. And we have to always remember that. That just because, you know, the children of Israel knew that they were going into the promised land, I think they expected just smooth sailing right in front of them. And, um, you know, the the wilderness um, trek is an interesting one. Because it shouldn't have taken 40 years. It should have actually taken about 40 days. But part of the reason why it took them so long is because they complained and they grumbled and they were not thankful for what God was giving them. And they didn't recognize him. They didn't honor him. So those are really, those are lessons that we should be taking to heart. Gratitude is supposed to be a lifestyle. But unfortunately, a lot of things come in that, that take a priority in our lives as far as our mindset and our attitude, whining and complaining and murmuring, pointing out things that we wish were different. Have, we, have any of us done that, maybe? Things that we wish were different in our lives? That's, that's an aspect of ingratitude. And as humans, we're kind of prone to covetousness and materialism, right? Especially, you know, in in these days and, you know, even as we get towards the Christmas holidays, we see commercials and advertisements, you know, you need to get this, you have to buy this, this is the new, the greatest thing, this is the new toy, you know, it just bombards us, Right? But we're prone to that. that. That's kind of feeding into who we are. You know, our fallen nature is, is about that, is about covetousness. We tend to focus on we do, what we don't have, but we, but we think that we deserve it, right? But when we give thanks on a continual basis, we're reminded of how much we've been given. We focus on the blessings instead of on the things we think we lack, we're happier because we're not always striving for something because we think that we deserve it. When we thank God for the things that we usually take for granted, our whole perspective changes. And this is kind of what we're, we're going for today. And as we, you know, really, this week we really think about this, don't we? You know, some of us have traditions about, you know, going around the table at Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? I think that's a good thing to do. But even if we don't do that, I think in our own mind, in our own hearts, we need to start to count our blessings. You know, not just not uh, overlook them. First Thessalonians <clears throat> uh, Chapter 5 is uh, the Apostle Paul kind of giving various exhortations and encouragement to the Thessalonian church. And included in those exhortations is giving thanks. He says in verse uh, 18 of chapter 5, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this is a little bit of a different aspect of giving thanks. Because the Apostle Paul is telling us that we're to give thanks in everything. To give thanks in everything. Well, that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to do. Because everything is not always good from our perspective. Isn't that true? Everything could mean the flat tire that you had uh, on the way to work the other day. Or um, whatever is going on in your life is everything. But it's easy to give thanks when everything's going well, right? It's easy to give thanks when our family is all healthy, when we got that promotion that we were looking for at our job, or uh, when there's, you know, when we have money in the bank. But it's not that easy when someone in the family is sick. Or instead of getting the promotion, we got the pink slip. Or when there's too much month at the end of our paycheck that we just can't make it through. How are we supposed to, now Paul is telling us we should be thankful in all things and everything. How are we supposed to give thanks at those times? That's difficult, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you that it's easy because it's not. It's difficult. We need to be, though, thankful. And God's, God's grace, God's Holy Spirit is going to help us have that attitude, that different 
way of looking at things. We're supposed to be thankful, of course, in the good times. You know, in the times that we, we, we look and we see our circumstances and, you know, everything's going great. But how about in the difficult, how about in the trials? You know, how about in those times where, where everything feels like it's falling apart, when your whole life seems to be just a mess? And maybe it's not through any fault of your own. How are we to give thanks in those times? How are we to give thanks when we get that diagnosis or a loved one gets that diagnosis and we don't know what to do? We don't know where to go. Hard, difficult. But God wants us to have this perspective. See, we need to look at more about how God is working in our lives than at our circumstances. This is more the internal than the external. More the, uh, the heavenly than the earthly things. Kind of a different way of looking at life. We need to have an outlook also that God allows these things in our life for a reason. That there's a purpose. And we may not recognize that as we're going through that. And I think for most of us, we don't. For most of us, honestly, when we're going through a difficult time, we, we just we can't recognize God working in our lives. I think it would help us actually get through those things if we were able to recognize that at that time. But even if we don't, we can look back and we can say with gratitude, with thankfulness, God, you took me through that. I I see your hand upon me in that. And I'm going to give you praise and honor for that. Because I see that in my life. The Apostle Paul also recognized this because he didn't have an easy road. You know, he was beaten. He was thrown into prison. He was left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He had a lot of things going on in his life. We think his life was a blessed life. But from our earthly perspective, we realize he had a lot of suffering, a lot of trial in his life. And he also had this one thing that that we don't know exactly what it was, but he calls it a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed for prayed for, to God to to take that away. In Second Corinthians twelve, this was this was Jesus' response in verses nine and ten. And he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness." Probably not the answer that Paul was looking for probably wanted to hear the Lord say, okay, Paul, I'm going to take that away. You're never going to have that again. It's not going to be something that burdens you anymore. But that's not what Jesus said. My grace is sufficient for you. That's not, that's not very practical for us, is it? God's grace, we can't, it's not tangible sometimes enough for us. We don't, know how to, we don't know how to apply that in our lives. We know when we get a, a, a bad diagnosis and the doctor says, well, we can take care of this and the treatment is there and you're going to get through this. We know that, well, okay, God, you blessed me through that. But when he says my grace is sufficient, we tend to say, well, what else you got, God? <laughs> you know, you... I know your grace is sufficient, but can, we, can you give me something more tangible, more, more that I can hang on to? But that's what he sometimes gives us. And we need to be grateful for that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, God's strength, is made perfect, perfect in weakness. In what weakness? In our weakness. In our weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul says, bring it on. Bring it on. I'll take the beatings. I'll take the prison. I'll take the shipwreck. I'll take all of that. Because 
That's when I feel the weakest. And that's when God's strength is being performed in me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, that's not easy. Taking pleasure in infirmities. That's, being, that's like being thankful in all things. Not easy. But he says, I take pleasure in infirmities and in approaches and in needs and in persecutions and in distresses. I take pleasure in that. Wow. Now, that's not easy. Can we take pleasure in those things? Those don't sound like good things. Those don't sound like pleasurable things. How is it possible that we take pleasure in those things? But Paul's saying, this is my attitude. This is my outlook. This is my frame of mind. This is how I look at these things in my life. I take pleasure in them because, for Christ's sake, because when I am weak, then I'm strong. What an attitude. What a different way of looking at things. When I'm weak, then I am strong. Do you feel weak right now because there's a trial in your life? Do you feel like a bird, a heaviness? Do you feel like sometimes you can't get up in the morning because there's, uh, there's just this heavy trial going on that you can't even move? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm going to assume that most of you are like me, and sometimes we feel that. Are you, do you feel weakened by those things, by those trials? Paul gives us the remedy. Instead of complaining about it, which we tend to do, ask God to strengthen you through it. Then focus on his goodness instead of the problem. And then be thankful to God because he promises to strengthen us during those times. Like Paul says, I'm going to take pleasure in my infirmities because that's when God's strength is manifested in my life. Not when I'm doing well, not when I think I got it all together. Oh, his grace is there, but you don't sense it as much because you think you have everything under control. Because we believe that we are the masters of our fate and the captain of our destiny and all of those things. But we're really not. And thankfulness and suffering are not mutually exclusive. We can have thankful hearts toward God even when we don't feel thankful in the circumstance. See, thankfulness is not a feeling. We have to get that out of our minds too. Gratitude isn't a feeling. Gratitude is a command of God and a mindset and a different perspective on everything. Jesus tells us how much he values giving thanks in this account in Luke 17. And it says, now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met, met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Spurgeon speaks about this, and he says, All ten were willing to do a religious ceremony, that is, go to the priest. Only one was filled with true praise and thanksgiving. I believe that this account of the ten lepers is an all-too-common way that people respond to even the kindness of God. 
You know, even if we admit that God is the one who heals or otherwise provides for us, maybe we respond with an external religious ritual. You know, maybe we'll, you know, depending on your upbringing or your former, um, maybe in denomination, maybe you'd go light a candle or say an extra prayer or something like that. But where is the inner thankfulness to God in those things? See, religious rituals and social status don't matter to Jesus. He's looking for hearts of gratitude. All ten of the men did their religious duties. The religious duty was to go to the priest. Do you notice in this account that Jesus didn't say, you're cleansed? Jesus said, go to the priest What cleansed them? Well, it wasn't the priest. The priest had no magical powers. Jesus certainly was the power behind the cleansing. And when they talk about cleansing for a leper, it's like healing, but they call it cleansing because uh, lepers were, uh, were not allowed in the general public. They had to stay away. That's why they were far off from, from Jesus here. So they did the religious ritual, which was required, but they didn't have a heart of gratitude. Only one, only one recognized that giving thanks was really worshiping the Lord. That giving thanks was what God wanted. Nine ungrateful men had their bodies healed, yes, but their hearts were still sick. Jesus physically healed all ten of them, but the one that returned to give thanks received an extra blessing. It's really, it's not that obvious when you read through this account, but you have to look at it. He said, arise, in verse 19, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Well, he came back, he was already cleansed. The one that came back to give thanks was already healed. As the the other nine were. But because he came back and gave thanks, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. So the Samaritan was healed with the other nine, but he was also made well in another way. That was in his heart. This is different from the other nine. It seems like this man's heart was also healed, along with his physical body. How awesome is that? We get an extra blessing from God because we give thanks, because we have a heart of gratitude. For us, it needs to be about our heart toward God. You know, there are many of us who, are, who have physical infirmities that we go through all the time. But we also need to have a heart of thankfulness to God, whether he heals us or not. And that's the way, one of the ways he measures our devotion to him, isn't it? It's in our degree of thankfulness. So we talked a lot about, you know, what the Bible says about being thankful, about gratitude, about having a heart of of, of thankfulness toward the Lord. But there's also a lot of warnings about the lack of giving thanks. And just for a few minutes, we're going to look at it from the other perspective. God knows that we best glorify him and demonstrate Christ to, to the world when we're humble and thankful. But when we're prideful and thankless, we don't accurately represent God to the world around us. When Paul was writing his letter to Timothy, his young uh, son in the Lord, there were many warnings in his messages because Timothy was he was being trained as a pastor and Paul was teaching him and he gave him many warnings about sinfulness and sinful tendencies of men especially in the last days in 2 Timothy 3 1 and 2 it says but I know this that the in the last days Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. So that's not even the full list. <laughs> You've got to go and read the rest of that uh, 
uh, chapter, that passage, to see the full list of things that Paul was warning Timothy about. But notice, part of that list is unthankful. Unthankful. And they're always a result of pride and arrogance, self-centeredness, and self-determination. They're marks of thanklessness. Defiance and boasting are signs of ungratefulness. After all, why would we thank someone if I'm the reason for all my success? Why would we feel like we need to thank someone if everything that I have is just well-deserved and a reward for my great efforts? Why would I need to thank anyone? So it always stems from self-centeredness and self-determination and pride and arrogance. Unthankfulness and ungratitude tend to stem from that. Paul addressed this also in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Remember, remember, you know, when he wrote letters to the churches, they were, they were uh, many times they were instructions in, um, in what they needed to do as a church. But all, a lot of times they were solutions to problems that had come up in the, in the church or even a rebuke for some of the things that they were doing that were um, not honoring God. So Paul, and Paul doesn't uh, pull any punches. He tells them right out what they need to hear. So he says in verse uh, 7 of chapter 4 in 1 Corinthians, you who, for who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So this church, this troubled church, and they, were, they had a lot of troubles, the Corinthian church. You know, they had a lot of uh, separation. They had a lot of, um, there was uh, boasting and there was arrogance and uh, a lot of things going on in that church. Not like our church. But the Apostle Paul is saying here that their problems were mostly a result of pride. Pride is actually the enemy of thank, thankfulness. Pride and thankfulness cannot coexist. They can't be in the same thought. He told them that they were making themselves the focus of all the good things that they had instead of acknowledging that what they had was a gift from God. And we need to understand that that pride and, and thankfulness cannot, ha- cannot be in the same mindset. We need to get away from that. So we can acknowledge that thankfulness is good for us, right? I think, I think we've proven the point here. I think you've even probably had an idea that it's good for you physically, it's good emotionally, it's good spiritually. It keeps us close to God, right? It fosters a Christ-like character in us. And it's a command of God that is good for us to obey, like all of his commands are good for us to obey. But on the opposite side, is ingratitude a sin? Now, some may say, well, it's preferred that we're thankful. God appreciates our thankfulness, and he blesses us for being thankful, But is ingratitude and unthankfulness necessarily a sin? Well, I think if we consider just the basic definition of sin as it's written in the New Testament, and that word means missing the mark, or it means straying from anything, um, straying from the righteous path. So that Greek word is, it's pretty clear. Sin, missing the mark, straying from the righteous path, then I think ingratitude is a, is a sin. Now, you can make up your own minds about that, maybe between you and, and the Lord or as you read the scriptures. But I think there's a lot of examples in the Bible, and we'll go, a, go through a couple just to, just to make that solid in our minds, that show that it is a sin. Romans 1 gives us the, this account as Paul writes to the Roman church um, about what, uh, how God sees um, unbelievers, and not only just unbelievers, but those who are actually antagonistic toward the things of God. And we see that in our society today, don't we? 
We see that a lot of that antagonism toward God and the things of God. So in Romans 1, 18 through 21, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, and God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. See, God has revealed himself to the whole world. Now, whether you believe or not is not up to God, because he's revealed himself to you. It's clear you have no excuse because although they knew God, in other words, although they even may believe that there is a God, they did not glorify him as God. Now, that's a difference because the Bible tells us that the demons believe and tremble. So they know that there's a God, but they don't glorify God. You know, there may be many people who will admit that there's a God, who would, will admit that there's a, a, a creator behind everything, and maybe even admit that the good things that they have are from God, but they don't glorify God. Why? Because they were not thankful. It says here, they did not glorify God, him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Thankfulness. Thankfulness glorifies God. When individuals or cultures suppress the truth about God, they're sinning against the creator of all things. The result of that is ingratitude. Or maybe even the cause of that is ingratitude. It can go either way. Maybe their ingratitude is because they're suppressing the truth. Because God is not glorified for who he is or given thanks for what he's done and continues to do. When we become ungrateful, we lose our sensitivity toward God. We lose our sensitivity toward his presence in our lives. We, we become hardened to that when we're ungrateful, when we're not thankful to the Lord. God's present, presence isn't something um, that we can sense in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a very popular passage, tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. When we refuse to acknowledge God's ability or, and his desire to lead us, which is what he wants to do, we grow insensitive to him and we take God for granted and we become our own gods. We decide that we know better, that we're going to lead our own paths, that we're going to take our own way. That becomes, that's like the sin of idolatry. We make our own, we make our own idols and maybe we're, we're our own idol. Psalm 96 Five says, for the gods of the people are peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We may think, you know, that word idol kind of brings to mind, you know, little statues, gold or silver statues that people bow down to or or things like that. But you know what? An idol is anything or anyone that we put in the place of God or put above God in our lives. And when we do that, it's the sin of idolatry, and it could even be ourselves. You know, there's such a push um, for self-aggrandizement, and, you know, especially with social media, you know, people want to make themselves look so good, and it, it becomes self-centeredness. To the ultimate. We have to always remind ourselves that everything we have and all that we are is a gift from God. Ingratitude also results in the sin of conceit, thinking we deserve all the good things we have instead of realizing that everything we have is because of God's grace. And what is God's grace? 
undeserved favor. It's not because we deserve it. You know, I mean, really what we deserve is, is judgment. But God gives us grace. Grace is undeserved favor. So ingratitude is a slippery slope, I think. I think it's a slippery slope. I think the, the less that we, we practice thankfulness, the further we get from God. And it can break our relationship with God. And ultimately, it can, it can cause us to sin. And our, our unthankful attitudes can actually spread to others. Now, would you want that to happen? Instead of spreading thankfulness and gratitude and humility, we can spread, spread pride and arrogance, self-centeredness, self-determination, and not even have God in the picture. But an attitude of praise and thanksgiving can also rub off on others. Imagine, you know, I think we do that well here. I think we give honor and glory to God in everything that we do. You know, we talked about it last week a little bit at our worship meeting, you know, because sometimes people will come up and they'll, and they'll tell us, you know, how, you know, that sounded really nice today, or I love that song, I love the way you do that song, or something like that. And, you know, we talked about how do we receive that in a way that, that gives gl- glory back to the giver, right? The giver of everything. You know, and most of us have admitted that we, we most of the time we say, praise the Lord, praise God. Praise God. I mean, it's not false humility, but it's just, it's just recognizing he's the giver. He's the giver of everything. You know, when we do these shoe boxes, um, it's, it's from Jesus. You know, a lot of people put in the work and, and the effort and the time, you know, to pack everything and to, and to do all that. But the, when the kids receive them, they're told it's from Jesus. That's awesome. We're supposed to shine as lights in this world so that people see our good works and do what? Glorify God who's in heaven. Glorify God. That's where it always has to go. So we're called to be an influence in this world, but an influence for good. We're not supposed to be of the world, but in the world and being salt and light, being a good influence. And our, our attitudes can, can do that. They can rub off on people. Grateful people remain close to God because they're conscience, they're conscious about God's hand on their lives. You know, sometimes we go on through our day to day and we're we kind of we're not really conscious of God's hand upon us. We need to be more conscious of that. First Timothy six six says, Now godly godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Being thankful is really being content. Sometimes we think that contentment is kind of settling, right? Settling for something less. Well, I'm content. I'm content with that. That's not what contentment is. Contentment is recognizing that everything that we have is a gift from God, and whatever we have, he feels that we need. I'm content with what you want for my life, God. That's what I'm content with. It's not settling. I mean, unless we think settling for the best is settling because that's what God gives us. So there's no compromise there in contentment. Contentment is exactly what we're called to be. In closing, I just want to read a quote from one of my favorite Bible commentators from years past, Matthew Henry. And uh, this story has been told many times and he, was, uh, he wrote in his journal, his, his diary one night, after he was robbed. And this is what he wrote. He said, let me be thankful. First, that I had never been robbed before. Second, that they took my purse, but they didn't take my life. Third, because even though they took it all, it wasn't that much. And finally, because... I was the one who was robbed and not the one who did the robbing. Isn't that great? 
Isn't that a great attitude? Right? Yeah. He, he can hear us. <laughs> Matthew's Hen- Matthew Henry's uh, diary entry is, is famous. And it's an exhortation for us to reframe. I like that word. Reframe. Reframe our circumstances. He could have been bitter. He could have been vengeful. But he chose to frame the incident in a different way. Think of some of the things in your life that maybe you viewed, at first, you viewed as negative, but you can reframe them in a way that they look positive, that it's, it's, actually, it's actually a blessing. When what you thought first was, was bitter, you can now look at, when you kind of change your perspective, now you can look at as a blessing in your life. So we can agree, I think, that the Bible and science both tell us that giving thanks is good for us. It's good for our health physically, emotionally, spiritually, in all different ways. And so why don't you join me in, uh, in reciting this verse in Psalm 136, verse 1. You ready? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.